To the Ether. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part Lunk Dow space, the next hot convict coin, 100,000 billion X rocket ship, rocket ship, graph, rocket ship. Let's take a listen. I think Holistic had a comment. He's, he's welcome to say anything. Yeah, hey guys, what's up? Um, there's no you know, need to a, carry on the conversation. We can go anywhere. Yeah, I don't want to derail. I don't think it'll be too big of a derail. And perhaps some people in the audience have the same question. Um, so I don't follow crypto day to day. Um, and I just spent like 20 minutes trying to figure out exactly what is happening. And I'm wondering if Bruce could give me the Bruce QRD because I'm reading the article titles and some of them are <laughs> it's so funny. They're like fighting over the narrative, I guess. That's what it seems like to me. It's like Bitcoin. Here's why Bitcoin won to the moon. Uh, you're a trillionaire already. And the next article is like, it's over. Ethereum just dominated everything. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, I can't spend an hour reading these things. I'm wondering if you wouldn't, uh, you would indulge me maybe a little bit and tell me exactly uh, what's going on in a word. Yeah. Buy, um, buy a thing called Flex at coinflex.com. Can you, I have a money order? Is that- Say it again. How do I do it with a money order? What do you mean a money order? Do you have like a MetaMask or something? It's like a check or something. <laughs> he wants to pay with a check. I have like, a Milady. Uh, someone gave me a free Milady, but I don't know how to use it. Do you have a? Do you have like a MetaMask or wallet or something? I don't know what that is. It's like if you if you have a Milady, you keep it in a wallet or have some kind of wallet access it. How do you access it? Like how did somebody send it to you? They, they send, send it through a, a wallet, right? No, they DM me a PNG. Yeah, well, I don't know. You would you would need to. It depends. Like, if you want to stay poor or not. Like, if you want to do the whole broken artist thing, like Charles Bukowski, like festering in your own dirt and drinking alcohol and working at the post office <laughs> and doing the starving artist thing and looking ugly as fuck. Like, you're welcome to. But if you want right. to upgrade your life and and join us in the abundant castle of wealth and utopia, you're welcome to do that too. It's up to you. Yeah. Well, okay. As y'all know, I am a no corner full stop. But I would actually. If you, you control me if you want, that's fine too. I don't mind that. But I would like a quick breakdown if you wouldn't mind. If not, that's fine too. I don't care. But that was my question. Thank you. But a breakdown of what? My my advice to you is go get a get get a MetaMask or something. Get a like get a, a few hundred dollars into crypto. Learn the basics. Bottom uh, holistic. The way to think of it is this: you can read yeah, all sorts of stuff. You can read all sorts of stuff on the internet, right? You can like, oh, Bitcoin's going up and down, and Ethereum and stocks and whatever else, or you get involved with uh, something that you have a direct like effect on. Like, for example, some people like, let's say they're programmers or something, and then they develop something and then it goes like, it, you know, becomes a coin and people buy it or whatever. Or like you have the alpha, like, you know, of a specific thing that nobody knows about yet, except you. 
like that's kind of called alpha or whatever, where you have this edge, like compared to like traditional markets and stuff, like it's way easier to get an edge on like new crypto projects and stuff, which is why it's enticing where like relatively small amounts of money, kind of hundred X and stuff. So like your thousand dollars becomes a hundred thousand or something. And as opposed to like, mm. Oh, I'm going to go research this and that and like blue chip, whatever. And, and it's going to go up 15% next year. Like, fuck that. Like, you know, like I think when Bruce told me to buy flex, it was like maybe, I don't know, like 30 cents. And I was like, ah, oh, what the fuck is this? It sounds like nonsense. And then like two days later, by the time he convinced me to buy it, it was already 60 cents. And so now it's like a buck 60. So like, you know, like uh, some of these things are like the upward momentum is, can be very good. It's just a matter of getting in super, super early. So a lot of the bullshit that we chit chat about is figuring out like what new things are coming, talking to people that actually like are releasing these things and then kind of getting the inside track as far as like what this looks like six months from now. So the thing about reading the people on the internet is those are largely people that have a bag, like they bought some Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever, or they have a short position. They have some position, right? And they're trying to convince you to do something. um, Be clear, be clear. Yeah, they're losers. Let, let me come like in here and make some points about this. <laughs> no, 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 let no. Me... You're not allowed to come in yet. Yes, not, yes, not yet, Jimmy. No, no, Jimmy, not yet. You can come in in a minute. Um, the people who talk about Bitcoin and like the economy going up and down and the interest rates and the inflation, all that stuff, they are like the guys who say like, yeah, the way to get women is to be a nice guy, like be treat her with kindness and get her roses. It's like that level of of discourse. It's like just complete lack of insight in Disney movie or something. It's like there's nothing insightful there. The true insight is when you find projects with really high fundamental ver- value earlier than everyone else. And that's the kind of thing we do. Like, in fact, I would say... Let, let me that, come in that, all right. You know, I remember finding Gala Games. You know, it was interesting to see that the founders had worked on great projects, but gotten their apps delisted. Jimmy, are you, are, Jimmy, are you okay? That was you a have a croaky voice. That was the that was the motivation. That was the motivation. That was the motivation. That was motivation. Jimmy, please answer the question. Have you been drinking cough syrup? Like, what's are you ill? What's happening with you? You sound more croaky than normal. Less vigorous. It's like your life spirit has been diminished by some outside cause. That was the motivation for creating Valley Games. I thought, you know, if these guys can understand that. If these guys understand what they're building, why they're building it, give them a little bit of money. This is the time the market cap was only $5 million. And uh, so I gave them some money. And now my investment in Gala Games went up 5,000, 5,000 X, not 100 X, 5,000 X, 5,000 X. That is how you, you build your wealth. You find, you find those people like you guys in the audience, losers, and you find these losers, and you make them winners. Thank you. Yeah, and and the earlier you find things as well, and the more fundamental value they have, the more of a an impact you can have personally. Holistic, I would yeah, holistic. I would say ignore everything that Sefi told you earlier, and just go by what. Uh, Jimmy just gave the breakdown with that's probably better. Advice. Yeah, let me just say that's about CPI. He's not here anymore, so maybe a little bit unfair to criticize him. I don't know why he just left after 
we obviously gave good strong counter argument. He he yeah. messaged me on Telegram. He said that Jimmy guy's a fucking idiot. Um, I would argue this. CPI was constantly shilling projects at their all time highs, and then when they crashed, he would host a room saying, "Guys, all we need to do is buy a little bit more. We can do it. Let's do it. Come on, guys." Uh, I guarantee you, I, I think CPI is not that rich or successful. Uh, he does pretend like he knows a lot, though. But the truth would is you, that... He, would you say he yeah. deserves prison? I would say that I wouldn't be surprised if something shows up someday. But like, no, if, 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 you were, if you were in charge of justice in the United States, would you put him in prison? And that's not how the United States works, though. There's no reason to dream on this, but you should watch Better Call Saul if you want to better understand the justice system in the United States. All right, well, let, let, me, let me rephrase. What you do is you find smaller projects where you hear the motivations of the team, look at their experience. Let me, let and, me rephrase, um, Jimmy. If you had a chance to give vigilante justice to Sefi and nobody would ever catch you, would you do it? Well, you know, in America, uh, our vigilante justice is poverty. So I'm sure he will enjoy it. And I will be happy. Well, guys, I will just say um, I will not be buying anything. As I say it outright, I'm in no corner and always will be. Um, I can respect this. Stay sort of poor, discourse. loser. Stay poor, well, loser. Well, no, I'm happy. I'm happy when people I like on Twitter, like Bruce, make a lot of money, and I want you to all make more money. And this is a sort of discourse I can respect. People with absolute disdain for their audience just outright stating, "We need line to go up. This line is going up, and here's how it's going to happen. You're going to give me uh, all of your money." And I'm going to dump my bags on you. I can respect that. People that bilk uh, other people for all their funds, um, especially when they do it openly. So, Bruce, I will say I do respect your projects more than uh, most people. So, very interesting topics. So, that's just my outlook. I don't have any projects. I have theater. I yeah, let me come in here and make some points. You know, I'll quickly respond. I think, you know, if you're in no corner and you have good reasons for that, maybe your portfolio is adjusted for risk. Maybe you own real estate. And real estate is a perfectly important and good investment. Um, maybe you feel like you don't need to you know, move into crypto because of your strong portfolio, which I respect. You know, that's fair enough. Real estate can also 100x. It just depends on what real estate you're getting. And if you look at the history of America, the most successful people owned lots of real estate. And they lived a long time, so they enjoyed the fruits of their real estate. So when it comes down to people who buy crypto, though, the way that you buy crypto is kind of like buying real estate in Web3. You're finding companies that produce real products and services, and you try and find a way to invest in those services after all the VCs bleed out, after all the retail investors cry, and after all the people who go bankrupt cry about losing money. I was in a space not so long ago where some people came said, you know, crypto ruined my life. And I came in and I said, I'm, I'm proud of this moment that crypto ruined your financial livelihood. Because the truth is, the reason why people leave crypto is because they see that people who are in crypto are making irrational choices, are the last bag holders. I will see on Instagram people saying, hey, guys, just buy this coin. Buy this coin. I just bought this coin. It's amazing. And of course, that is an example of irrational exuberance. But now what I see is this. We have the opposite people realizing that they are being a little bit too rational. I enjoy the process that this casino offers. 
Uh, you get to see a lot of people hurt, which is good. You get to see a lot of people lose their livelihoods, which is good. And this is the natural market forces that I enjoy watching. It is America in decline. When you're investing, I invest only two things. The first, of course, and I guess the most important is uh, I have a good investment in Grinder, you know, the gay dating app. So I invest in the homosexuality and gayness of America. And I invest in social aspects. And also I invest in the casino aspects. It's hard to invest in casino companies. They've turned into real estate companies. But crypto is the best casino investment. And once you realize that, once you realize that you're investing in casino stocks, in crypto, using crypto, then you realize, of course, that is how you 100x. You're investing in people's inability to understand what they're doing. You're investing in people's panic. You're investing in people's greed. And casino stocks used to be like that, actually. If you look at casino stocks, they really are very cyclical. Um, unfortunately, uh, due to regulations, casino stocks have changed into hospitality stocks. So most of the revenue comes from now hospitality. Uh, they used to come from incentivizing people to gamble. Now they can't do that. It's very tough. So how do we incentivize people to lose their livelihoods? We talk about it. Um, CPI. I think he's lost a lot of his money. He's certainly changed the way that he speaks. I think anyone who knows him, they, they can see that he speaks a lot less enthusiastically, a lot more slowly. He doesn't really seem to want to be up there as a host anymore. He comes as speaker more often. Um, I guess he's afraid of accepting responsibility of his financial advice. But I would say that uh, once people start really crying and talking about how much they're going to be buying, uh, talking about how much they're putting at stake, their livelihoods again. This, of course, is when the pump is coming. I'm seeing some evidence of this, not much yet. I'm thinking it's going to come probably by early next year. People who are like, I can just put it all in my mortgage. I'm going to start selling drugs to get into crypto. I'm going to start selling uh, things for my company illegally to get into crypto. Why? Because it's such an easy opportunity to make 100x. So how do I know I can make 100x? When people think it's easy to make 100x, and once they think it's really easy, you invest in stuff that really shouldn't be invested, like SafeMoon, right? Or like, for example, Doge on Mars, these things, 100x, Shiba Inu, Doge, all these things, because all the people are saying it's an easy investment. Just wait for that. Once you see that in the title, then you know the rocket ship is coming. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on? Uh... The bird coins, like Ka and bird. And, and all those. Well, I'm looking forward to people losing a lot of money on this. You just got to get in early. People are going to start talking about them in spaces, right? You're going to see a lot of evidence of manipulation. So I'm looking forward to that. Love that. I don't think yeah. enough people look at it the way that you do. This is not a PVE. This is a PVP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would argue that in the history of investing, people who are the best stock investors rarely hold their stocks. Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett are exceptions, mostly because Warren Buffett lived so long. I mean, we have a guy who actually made pretty questionable returns in his 40s and 50s. A lot of people just don't live up until their 60s. He made most of the returns when he was in the 70s and 80s. So. If you're willing to do that, have a portfolio for that. Otherwise, 
have a portfolio that bets on the insanity. Yes, the insanity of America. And America is becoming a more unsafe, unhealthy, crazy, poverty-stricken country, right? Every single day. So that is why you got to invest in things that hack the human mind. Grinder would be one example. You know, people are becoming more gay every single day. You know this. You, you can tell. You just look in the yes. movies. Everyone's gay now. Um, Tinder, you know, I'm getting into that. Um, if it's not Tinder, pharmaceutical companies that do transsexual reassignment stuff. Uh, great companies, penny stocks. You know, I'm seeing in the future a lot of people are going to become transsexuals, you know, because they're very mentally confused. Um, and these are some great penny stocks. Again, Grinder was a penny stock, believe it or not. Grinder, um, you could have gotten into the secondary four or five years ago. Uh, they were doing secondaries too. Uh, so I'm a big fan of this type of thing. Um, prison stocks, big fan of prison stocks. I think a lot of Americans are going to go to jail. Um, hopefully, um, prison stocks have done extremely well, by the way, and, uh, and they're going to do better in the future. When 10% of America is probably out of prison or in prison at any one time, America is a gulag of mentally ill people. Uh, you can, of course, see that CPI is an example of this, someone who pretends that he's rich and a doctor when there's zero evidence of this. And everyone thinks that it's true because the guy constantly repeats it and there's absolutely no evidence. He would just says, I don't believe it's true, Seth. I don't believe it's true, uh, Jimmy. I've never believed that bullshit. So don't include me in, in these people. Okay, well, fair enough. But anyway, there's a lot of good ways of investing in American mental illness. Crypto just happens to be the fastest vehicle to get in on that investment. Crypto is nothing more than the oxycotton of investing. And unfortunately, uh, people, they just think that they truly understand how market forces work and they really throw it in. I mean, I've never seen an investment where people just throw in so much money. Once they lose it, they just become zombies. And I've seen that in my workplace where you see these people who lost so much money last year and are just trying to figure out what to do with their mortgage and they're just maxing out their credit cards. So unfortunately, we need these people to come back into the market. They're just a little bit poorer than before. It might take a little while for these people to reload their cash to throw it away again. Yep. Do you want to give any counterpoints, Pantera? Um, no, I think America's on the right track. It's doing great. People are definitely not becoming more gay. Uh, mental health is definitely going down. And I would, I would bet that America does what they always do. And, and God bless the red, white, and blue and Uncle Sam. So that's my, that's my counterpoint there. <clears throat> great. Well, I, would okay. like to, I would like to counter the counterpoint real quick. Because I think if we go Jimmy's route and we invest in grinder and gender reassignment surgery, we will also have the opportunity to have a Samsung dryer or washer like Jimmy has. So mm -hmm. that's my two cents. Yeah. I mean, I'm also investing in obesity, by the way. I have bought, you know, Chick-fil-A. McDonald's. Americans are getting fatter. I mean, these are good long-term investments. McDonald's is an absolutely fantastic stock to own. 
yeah, they have that new Cardi B meal. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking to find a way to invest, invest in the vices, you know, Um, it it was just that when you used to own gambling stocks, uh, just look at their real of their portfolios now. You were really investing in their ability to attract more people to get into the casino, but due to regulations and sports betting, um, it's very sad. You know, the win group used to make so much money from gambling. Now all that money from gambling has moved online. Um, I guess that was a natural occurrence of events. You know, naturally people are so fat, so lazy. They are too lazy even to figure out how to lose money. So they just stay at home and want to lose money. I've, I've, for example, seen people lose their livelihoods just by looking at their phone, just by playing casino games on their phone. It's an incredible thing to, to see someone lose their mortgage uh, while clicking their phone while eating Doritos. So how do we invest in this? We have to realize the ideal American, um, fat, lazy, with different stress, medical problems, and unable to pay bills, gambling. Once you realize that, then you can figure out what crypto that you'll get into. Find the cryptos that most ascribe to the gambling addiction of the average American. Would you say it's a characteristic of the uh, addict American to double down on some game that they've already lost their money on? Crypto, well, the problem is if they were already lost their money, it's hard. But if they have money again, then yes, they were doubling down. Terra Luna, those Luna coins, those bird coins, but they had the money because of the stimulus. So we need to find another. Um, when the government started giving people money, people thought that money was actually free. And when people were selling their used cars to Carvana or houses to, um, you know, Zilingo, or the hell it's called. Uh, Zillow, um, and they're getting way over market prices. People thought money was free. So we need that kind of, that thing again. I knew people who, for example, sold their car used for more than their new car five years ago, sold their house for 20% above market, right? Cash in hand, then got a loan, low interest rate loan, and then got a seamless check, got COVID employment loans, they never paid back, used that money and gambled it away in crypto. Um, so we need those people again. We need what if you lose? Again. What if you lose all your money on a game, but then the game gives you a credit to play the game again, but the credit's only pennies on the dollar, but it's like your last chance to play the game and make it all back. Mm, you mean a credit card? You mean a credit card, right? Because people have maxed out their credit cards. Am I mistaken? Sure. Okay. Well, you guys I, are. I, all I think sort it's of, a little bit tough right now. You guys are all sort of dancing around the edges of my per. It's just just my personal favorite archetype of the crypto sphere, which would be the. Uh, I guess we could describe them as a long-term uh, Bitcoin-only maxi sell. And uh, as I understand it, these people somehow gaslit themselves into thinking um, Bitcoin was some sort of like alien tech from the future, uh, as, as if like an append-only ledger was some sort of like goofy, weird lottery verification system. It's somehow going to replace the dollar. 
and they're just uh basically descending into madness because they missed their chance to get rich um when they bought it at 40k and did not sell at 80k and now they will say anything to get line to go up once again even that we all know it's not going to they will tell you that they care about the unbanked uh they will tell you they care about little kids in africa basically it's very interesting and fascinating to me and frankly very entertaining because i like seeing them personally uh just them go broke uh, those are the people i like to see lose their money and cope and see just my personal uh, people i like though what do you guys think about the bitcoin Max? let me just say this uh, about bitcoin Max. can i reply yeah go ahead okay so i'll reply right now uh, my view is this 95 percent bitcoin max he's gotten to bitcoin 2020 onwards I got into Bitcoin in 2012. Um, now, why did I get into Bitcoin in 2012? Because I had this thing called a job. And um, in this job, which, by the way, a job is something that you do is you work for someone else who pays you money for that you get their job done so they don't have to do it. Bitcoin maxes I've met on Twitter who've gotten in at 2020 thought that they would become separated from the existing system, that they so hated the government and the people Essentially, they hate themselves for having participated in the fiat system, regret and guilt for having not made enough money, dead in lives, sadness. That is the Bitcoin maxi mentality. Um, obviously, I think that uh, having got into it a bit earlier, meeting, meeting people who were in Bitcoin a bit earlier, I can say that everyone who had Bitcoin had this thing. It's called a job. who were able to keep it. And Bitcoin is a nice thing to have when... For example, you're just really tired of the government and being taxed and just want to find something that, you know, is slightly separate because real estate is very, very, uh, it's like a girlfriend, really a lot of stuff that you have to figure out, keep up. And uh, Bitcoin is something that is super hassle free. The problem with when you have something like Bitcoin, where you don't have to do anything to maintain it, you don't have to do any forms, you don't have to go to the property make sure it's everything's okay, don't have to get insurance, is it actually makes you think that that is the way investing should be, right? That is not the way that investing really is. Anyone who's been involved in stocks, for example, can tell you, a long-term stock investor having to add into their portfolio again and again every single year using the 401k, it's actually a lot of hassle because you have to do a lot of tax forms over time. You have to go through your 401k, go get an accountant, and what has happened is that anyone who's actually made any money in crypto, because it was so easy to make money, it was equally so easy to lose the money. Essentially, they bought lottery tickets, and they used the profits of those lottery tickets to buy more lottery tickets. This is such a uniquely American foolishness. And I enjoy when they crash, and they die, and burn, and they commit suicides, when they realize their lottery tickets are worthless, worthless. Well, what do you think about um, these same people we speak of that uh, on top of all of that, that have spent many years now building the entirety of their personality around being the crypto expert to all of their friends you mean and family? Their personality around a lottery system? Oh, yes. yes when they yes. win lotteries. Yes. Uh, so their yes, personality is that... how to get into more lotteries. It's like the astrologist, you know, who goes around telling people which yes. numbers they should buy. It's the, you know, the same thing. Yeah, but this lottery that we know to be a lottery um, has been described to all of their friends and family as them being the uh, top dog guru investor of the world, number one uh, smartest guy. And uh, they did have this money technically on uh, 
in code on internet money on blockchains and stuff, but they never sold any of this money. So they never realized the returns. And even now when they try to unload them, uh, they can't do it all at once. Yes, yes. They can only get a little bit. So do you think they're ever going to? Well, I, I typically ask them the same question. How bald, how fat are you? And then say, what, what do you mean? It's like, I'm wondering how bald, short and fat are you? And they said, well, you know, I'm a little bit short. I'm a little bit bald and I'm a little bit fat. But it doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. I'm like, okay. Okay, I got my answer. Thank you. And then you find out who they really are. They're just people who are angry at themselves and now have so diluted their own belief system that they actually think they understand how the market forces work. If they say, so this is the problem. If they say the market forces are rational, that's the reason to buy Bitcoin. Why are they themselves not a part of that rationality when they tell people to buy Bitcoin? The price and the tech are two different things. So true. Again, just ask them, how short, how fat? Yes, how short, fat, how bald are they? How bald are you? How fat, how short are you? I think everybody's quiet because we're all short and bald and fat, and we're just reflecting on that. Yeah, but I'm I'm on finessed right now, so it's going to come back, I'm sure. Exactly how short are you, Pantera? People have always told me that you're you're a bit of a bit of a little you're you're a bit of a little bit of a little stumpy guy. I'm five four. I like to say five four and a half. Give myself the half inch. Do you wear height insoles, and do you do Pilates? I will wear Timberland boots in the heat of July just to uh, give myself a bit of height. Do you ever channel your namesake and just prowl around on all fours? Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's especially advantageous, you know, like at, at places where that's uh, more broadly accepted, like uh, furry conventions. The Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has is a big like furry friendly city. We have a national convention here every year, and so um, I'll dress up like a black cat and and crawl around and prowl. And then women or or men, um, they can't tell how short I am. Yeah, it's kind of like a height equalizer, especially with like a big old furry head on and the tail. You can make the tail any length you want. Right. I mean, I think I think height is actually, you know, we're getting to the point here, Grin. I think height, just like gender, is a social construct. And um, I think, uh, you know, you can be whatever height that you you feel like you were born to be. Right. Especially if you can afford the thirty thousand dollar surgery to like break break and lengthen your legs that people get in Silicon Valley to get promotions. Yeah, but you can only become like three inches taller that way. Sometimes that's all that matters. Like I'm, I'm, I'm old enough now that I've crossed below five seven, even though I was above five seven, and I would kill you for like a half an inch. What? What's wrong with you? You having MS? No, I just have gravity. What? 
You shrunk? Yes, it happens. I think you always start shrinking around the age of 50. No, it happens your entire life that you live under gravity and you stand up. I think that's not true. I think it's true. Um, okay. Hang yourself Wait, are you saying down. that you're fat? So your body fat weighs you down? No, just gravity and, and over time posture. And, but you can reverse it with some vitamin K2 and a lot of like uh, meditation where you hold your spine straight. Those things can mm-hmm. help reverse the trend a little bit. Okay. Maybe hang upside down from a tree. See if I can answer a question. How fat, how bald, and how short are you? Because <laughs> you're always constantly talking about your next big project. I can only assume that you are part of the gambling addicted society that we live in. Yeah. So how fat, how short, and how bald are you? Well, my BMI is getting close to, I don't know, last I checked is about 39. Which is not good. So you're going to pretend like you're successful? It's extraordinarily okay. You're a doctor? It's extraordinarily mm-hmm. unhealthy. You're, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're good looking, you're healthy, you're rich, and you're a doctor. You pretend to be all these like things. Everyone in this room, by the way, I actually asked and pulled the room, who thinks this guy's actually a doctor and successful? I no one raises his hand Like a Norwood 4, maybe, in baldness. Uh, no one believes you, Sipai. No one believes you. Hold on. Are you actually a Norwood 4? Am I actually Norwood for? Yeah, which um, which Norwood are you? I thought you were like two point seven five. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm a two-ish somewhere. But in uh, to because Jimmy wants me to be fat today and bald and short, I was exaggerating a little bit. Mm. Jimmy, Jimmy has said what we're all thinking that you're not you're not actually a doctor. Mm. Maybe test me. Let's see what what would be a good test. Testing someone over the internet, Scott. What is the best dilution of bee venom to treat bee stings via the holistic medicine? Oh, yeah, Jesus like fuck if I know. What what like nine thousand x? A real doctor would know how to use this totally bogus medicine. Yeah. What homeopathic remedy would you treat for um, agoraphobia? I think you take like agoraphobics being shut in a box. So I think you take a tiny sliver of a box and then you dilute it into like beyond nothingness so that the water memory echo is in there. And each time you wrap, you, you tap it every time you dilute it. So I would say like 92,500x dilution of, of box. Well, the basic truth about that question is the, and basically any poisonous insult uh, that is venom-based is the antidote to, let's say, a bee sting and any uh, venomous insult manifests in the urine within one to three minutes because your body is a super machine. So basically that's why your grandma used to tell you to just pee on it when you get a jellyfish string, every old wives tale is correct. You simply must wait one to three minutes and do the pain, endure the pain. And then, uh, the, the antidote will manifest in the urine within a minute or two. Your body's a super machine. That's all you need to do. So then you just spray your urine all over the problem. Yeah, can I ask, uh, yeah. Zephyr Agri is here. Can we ask his opinion by any chance? Zephyr, can you go ahead? About which thing? Agoraphobia? Um, just his opinion on all everything, just his views, oh, just anything. anything, everything. Mm. Uh, yeah, oh, he ketchup. Okay. If you can't think of anything, I'll propose things. 
Yeah, you're up. Can I, can I ask you? Can you come in here? What's the question? Um, how many times do you use Grinder per day? Um, approximately zero. Why? I just don't have it installed. Mm-hmm. Okay. In install it now. Mm -hmm. No, I'm busy. Do it now. What does it do? I don't want to be lining Jimmy's pocket. What does it do? Grind is a way to have sex quickly. Mm. Okay, so it's like an app for dating or something. See, no one believes you, Seepi. We all know that you're not above these things. You're not that aloof. You're just extremely poor. Well, one question I've always wanted to ask Seppi, uh, I believe uh, he was in a bad mood one day, so I'll give him a bit of a break um, about the human heart. He was having roughly. his period. It's okay. It's okay. I was being obnoxious too, so I typically... Whoops. But let me just say this. The human heart is not a pump. Well, yes, yes, this is very obvious, and that's kind of what I was getting at. The one-pound organ known as the heart um, is said to pump the blood through uh, the roughly 70,000 miles of, um, uh, let's just call them the vascular system in the human body. Um, so, Sefi, why do they call it a pump when that's obviously on its face, just retarded? Um, are they hiding something, or do they really know uh, how it works, or do they just say it's a pump because they're dumb, or what's going on there? What's your opinion? He ran. He's gone. Yeah, it's weird. What weird the way he, he I, runs. I recently get. I recently got some messages from people who say that Seepai runs rooms where he makes fun of me for an hour. But he makes fun of the furry creature that has a PFP with a fish in his mouth for an hour. It's interesting that he ran away the moment you confronted him with a contradiction to to usual allopathic medical models. It's insightful that he ran. Okay, I'm back. What did I miss? Something happened to my connection. Yeah, funny how that keeps happening, huh? Yeah. It happened at the most suspicious time possible, except for if we were talking about Grinder. Just exactly. At yeah, the back to Grinder. So, is this like, what does this do? Is this like a, let me get it. Hold on a second. Grinder, what? Um, what you do is you go back to your phone and on the homepage, the first app that you already have installed is called Grindr. You just click on that app and you look at your history of 20 people who've connected with you and you look again and read it. Oh, gay dating. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't believe your aloofness. Uh, we all can see through it. We're not that dumb. You're lying. Stop. Jimmy, what are you eating? Food, bitch. I noticed when Jimmy started this call, he was really unanimated and croaky. And with time, his voice has repaired itself and become more congruent. And his life he's, energy has he's gone. Moved, he's moved from a room that had like a lot of reverb. And then someone else said that he had a Samsung dryer. So I think he was doing laundry. Maybe his laundry room has like some echo. And now he's... What's wrong with Samsung dryer? Dry. Those things are amazing. He also sounds that like he's woken up. Can you store your fish? Yes, yes, fish, fish. I, I think his his uh, animation kind of derives from Sefi. Like he needs that sort of counter mm -hmm. energy to to keep him going. 
Well, yes, I need to hate someone. I've never used uh, any dating app, much less a gay dating app. That's interesting. Of course you haven't. Mm-hmm. You always make us feel bad about ourselves. You think that your, your romantic model of meeting a girl and marrying her instantly is something that applies to the rest of humanity. No. We all struggle through life. We're trying to meet women on Twitter and stuff, and we're struggling. Can't follow your, your formula. That's only for special people or lucky people. Yeah, I'm not playing that game that you guys are playing. Yeah, my parents keep comparing myself to you. They're like, Sethi's a doctor. Why aren't you a doctor? I don't know. Sethi's married. Why aren't you married? Yeah. I actually was I had my eye on Holistic Honey for a while. And now that I know it's a man, I'm, I'm disappointed and... Is like the only girl. It, with a I do find it interesting for the first time in American history. Welders are making more money than some doctors. I have a friend of mine who's a welder. Another friend of mine is a doctor. The welder makes 140k a year, and then also has a welding business. My friend, who's a doctor, makes 250k a year and also has his own clinic. The welder makes more money. Well, recently I've read an article on the uh, pay gap between doctors and uh and welders so definitely can confirm yeah i mean um we have a lot more doctors in america and a lot more regulation and they have a lot more insurance costs and we don't have enough welders so just the way it is and welders are allowed to like connect almost anything to almost anything else with metal it's just pure imagination there's hardly regulated at all you can find tin objects welded to like copper poles whatever they feel like doing they follow that muse but doctors really are regulated at that yeah they're and they're regulated to the point of being regulated to pay money right um, people are afraid. People are afraid that if they take freedoms away from the welders, that they'll come and find that like their car is welded to the the light pole outside, you know, or that yes, they'll yes. find. Let me just say that find like I'm all kinds of metal sheeting in their bed in warehousing investments, uh, like warehousing industrial. For some reason on Twitter, that's blown up. But I was uh, pretty involved in it back in the day too. What I find interesting is that when I meet contractors who are now involved in uh, freelance uh, machinery work, I find it interesting that most of their clients are willing to pay very high prices and they're passing it on to the end user pretty easily. So for example, carpenters. Carpenters were not doing so well some years ago. If anyone knows anything about carpenters, there just aren't that many carpenters, guys. It's becoming a dying skill. Not many people went to university for sociology, became a carpenter. Carpenters are making a lot more money. Also, of course, glass makers. Glass is an important component to so many industrial uh, devices in the world now. Um, I'd be very surprised. People say glasses. Well, they also make weed glasses too. Glass makers are actually making a surprisingly high amount of money. Um, who else is making quite a lot of money nowadays? Of course, um, people who are involved in um, gutters, pipes, and those things. Cleaners. I know people who do cleaning businesses now who make upwards of half a million a year um, because a lot of people are now living on their own and they need people to pay. Uh, they need to pay people to help them clean. Um, I, met a, I met a pipe cleaner on Grinder, and uh, he was he did a really good job. Yep. Uh, so these businesses now are respected. I mean, uh, I never thought in my life that someone who owned a cleaning business would make half a million a year, but 
you know, when you have clients who are willing to pay $1,000 for landscaping per year and then $1,000 for getting their homes cleaned, um, it makes sense. 1000 for landscaping? That's pretty cheap. Where do you live? Oh, wait, it's cheap? It's probably okay. more like 4K or more. It gets expensive. Yeah, well, how would you know about that, Sipa? You live in a rent-controlled apartment. Oh, no, most definitely not. Um, oh, yeah, no, no, don't, no, definitely not. There was a dude on Twitter who was a garden, talking about being a millionaire. Garden. His name is David Gockstein. Have you heard of this guy, David Gockstein? Turns yeah, out Dave. David Gockstein yeah, lives in a rent-controlled apartment. Uh-huh, yes, he's a liar. I, I don't know what he has, but no, maintaining a garden and everything is quite expensive. Is it really? Well, it is. Hmm. Mm, yeah. So well, you, know about you don't this. want to do the work. If you don't want to do the work yourself, it's expensive. I just you know what to... I find interesting now is that farmers are making a lot more money. I was in Kansas the other day, and there are farmers who have wooden farms on the top, oil rigs on the side of their property. They have farms, of course, subsidized by the USDA, and most importantly, they have solar. And so I was talking to a farmer. I said, "Brick, how's it going?" Brick was like, "Oh yeah, oh, them Democrats." Ah, but you know what? We've been doing this renewable energy. I didn't really believe in it until I started making some money. I said, so, Brick, like, what's what's going on? I mean, revenue seems to be getting a lot better. I see you got a new car. I said, oh, yeah, I've recently started getting these oil operating leases. And then these solar companies came and wanted to build on my land for free. And I just I get the money back after 10 years. And uh, there's wind farms now, Kansas. Everyone's got wind farms. Oh, yeah. They're so much cheaper than before. And of course, now I don't pay no electricity on my farm. Back in the day, electricity was the most expensive part of my farming. I was like, so, Brick, what is your plan long term? It's like, oh, yeah, none of my kids want to get into farming. They'll uh, uh, work in San Francisco, besides uh, being farm. a sociologist and shit. Uh, Jimmy, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm looking forward to working with some people who want to take over my farm. And I said, so, Brick, your plan is you have solar, you have wind. You have some oil. What is your food actually making you any money? Like you're an actual farm. So what are you doing that actually increases your farming output? Oh, yeah. We just continue to get government subsidies. Uh, farming never made any money. It's just very expensive. But if we can become money makers through solar and wind. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a lot better. <sighs> I like I like the sound you just made, Jimmy. You haven't made that sound before. Thank you for that. No, that was Brick. That was Brick. That wasn't me. That was Brick. That was Brick. But you can see this now. Just farmers are getting in on the action. They're using their arable farmland and just building a lot of energy, which is pretty incredible. Like Texas. Holistic. Maybe you can clarify. What would Jimmy have to be bitten with to then pee out the antidote for? Oh, yeah. You're going to try and change the subject. So C-Pipe, look, you're broke. And they're farmers who've yeah. made a lot more money than you. They didn't have to claim their doctors. And you go and see these people in Twitter spaces. They're doing like, how to buy American beef. Let's think together, USDA questions. And I'm sometimes in these rooms with these guys and they're like all in their 70s or late 60s. Sometimes women, sometimes women. And they're all sounding the exact same. It's like, oh yeah, guys, and just embracing Christ. And I want everyone to know, if we can get Americans to understand the supply chain, we can sell them more steaks. And with these steaks, we can help ourselves. Farmers need more help. 
them politicians don't give a rat's ass over us farms. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. We need to help farmers. We need to help farmers. But all these farmers are now making way more money just renting out their land for renewable energy. Have you guys been to the Midwest recently? There's just there has been a 10x increase in wind farms. Also been a 3x increase in energy prices. And key assets. Solar, yes, yeah, solar. It is incredible. I mean, um, farmers are making money hand over fist now for the first time in their lives. They're really, they're just, I think a lot of them are generally surprised. They didn't have to get into farming anymore. They just, you know, energy creation. Who ever thought that you just harness the power of the wind and the sun to make money? I knew a guy who owned 20,000 acres in uh, Montana. He thought that his business was getting fucked because uh, the fertilizer and food costs for his cows. He started renting 5,000 acres out for renewables. And he's making way more money that way. So he's happy. I think C5, you're jealous. You know, the price of uh, agricultural land has gone up a lot. I've been agricultural uh, land. I was has sort of, sorry, I was away for a minute. I was watching. Yeah, yeah. Show. We, you know, you know, you're listening because, uh, you know, I know that you're jealous. I know that you're envious of actually TikTok. No, I don't think that you watch TikTok. I think you watch Grindr videos, CPI. Just admit to the world that you have destroyed your own livelihood through crypto gambling via Grindr? Wait, how do you lose? What do you like? You can lose crypto with Grinder. I don't follow. Anyway, uh, where were we? Hmm. Oh, Jimmy left. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't follow what he's saying half the time. I'm not sure where he's going with anything. Jimmy have left. You been, have you been I taking notes, or, Bruce? You've been taking notes or something? Uh, either Jimmy left or I kicked him. Not sure which. He was going on and on, so I, I was like flipping through Twitter and whatever, and um, they were showing like different TikTok videos of different people, and I guess they're all everyone has their own little facial filter now. I don't know, like like who's human and who isn't anymore. It's interesting. And why do people take Twitter TikTok videos and then post them on Twitter? Wouldn't you just watch them on TikTok? Not everybody wants to go to TikTok. Because it's like a filled with 13 year olds like twerking. And so we're uncomfortable with that. So we need the brave people who are willing to put up with that to go and find the little nuggets of things we might actually want to watch and bring them here. Well, Bruce, I did want to say something I noticed. Uh, hopefully, this isn't too out of line. I don't think it is. Um, the Zara girl with the very mellifluous voice, very intelligent girl, she assured me she would never follow me uh, due to our incident we had about six months ago. And I mm -hmm. noticed earlier she has now followed me. Um, as you know, like I've always had a bit of a crush on her. Do you think she's playing hard to get, or do you, th or do you think she's messing with messing with my mind, trying to like make fun of me or something with the follow? Is this like meta, or what's going on? Because I got kind of had a jump in my heart when I saw she followed me. It's kind, of, it's kind of like very exciting to me. What do you think about that, Bruce? I think you have a chance, but I don't know whether you want to enter a long term relationship. Uh, sorry, a long distance relationship. Um, are you sure you want to date somebody from the UK? 
when there's that ocean barrier? Is that what you want? No, no, I'm like, I'm live like two, three houses down from her. She just isn't aware of this fact. So it's not going to be like that. Yeah, go for it. So you don't think she's trolling me? No, I think, I, I don't think girls are capable of trolling. Well, even like, uh, sometimes they do it accidentally because they're just like very mean people and demonic, you know? Girls are wrathful, but then they don't troll for the sake of, of messing with somebody. All they know is, is pure goodness or pure evil. Nothing in between. So you don't think they'd be like scared, KT and Addy, what they did, what they did to you? They wouldn't pull one of those? No. Okay. I feel like that was very rude. They just stopped coming to your spaces all at once one day and never said another word. I found that very disheartening. Does Addy even do um, spaces anymore? I thought she was getting stalked or something. Uh, she was, yeah. Maybe you just haven't seen her new account, but she's around. We still talk about you every once in a while. You know, Holistic, it's possible that Zara just saw your profile picture and thinks you're a woman and just wants, like, a girlfriend to follow. Do you think that, you think that might have happened? I didn't even consider that. That's a good, that's a good thought, though. Well, that, that tricked me. So if you could just like delete all the DMs that I've been sending you or just disregard them as, you know, someone who thought you were a woman. I would, I would appreciate that. Well, you're lucky because I'm on a 12-hour lock and I, I probably haven't, they haven't gone through. Holistic, can you that. hear me okay? Can't tell if my connection is working or not. Uh, Sefi, I cannot hear you. Oh, okay. I can hear you, but I'm not holistic. Okay, just making sure this thing's working. Fucking thing's kicking me off every five seconds for some reason. Mm. Um, what, uh, holistic, just curious, like, what is your like status? You're, you're out looking for a girl or what, what's your thing? Like, wh where are you in life at this point? Yeah, I'm trying, just trying to get a GF and actually use that big V card. Sure. Uh, frankly, that's all it's about at this point. Uh, didn't get into crypto, never did, didn't make any money. Uh, at this point, I'm just stalking women on the internet constantly every day and all the time and seeing how that turns out. I don't really have a plan. Why do you have some tips? You can get an arranged marriage. I think I think Sefi had an arranged marriage, a traditional one. I can't hear. Um, is he speaking or no? <laughs> like I can't even tell. Fuck. Yeah, he's speaking. You probably have to rejoin. Shit. Okay, give me a second. Bruce, I'm scared. Why? I don't know. I just felt like there was like 12 seconds of silence, and I was gonna jump in with something. But I feel like I've already been bullied enough today, so I didn't say anything. But now I'm saying something, and it got it turned out worse than I thought it would because I'm just rambling. So I'm just gonna mute. Yeah, you're you're being a bit cringe lately. See, that's what I was scared of. Someone was gonna hit me with something like that, and a laugh. No one laughing measured me, so it's a crime. But thank you, Stephanie. I didn't. I'm not even sure what you guys are talking about. I'm like half connected half the time. <laughs> Bruce, is there good Indian food in London? Are you coming to London? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I was just browsing through uh, Grinder, and I saw one of the pipe cleaners on there was eating some Indian food. And uh, there's no good Indian food around where I'm at. I've actually had Indian food one time that I thought was 
even half decent in the Wait, U.S. Hold on. This is an app you can find, like, restaurants on? Yeah, have you ever heard of Grinders? They're like hoagies, sort I of. I thought it was like a gay dating app or something. Am I on the yeah, wrong one? That's Grinder. Did this I download the wrong one? What is this? They like, invented this both Grindr's gay plural. dating and Indian food in London, so but you'll be is, okay. This is like a Yelp. It's like a finding a nice restaurant. Yeah, but it's you. You specifically you type in the address where you're going to stay, and that gives you like local suggestions for where to eat. And there's some good Indian food around where I'm going to stay in Luton. So I thought maybe Bruce mm. could uh, could yeah, confirm Luton, it or not. Luton is a, a place with many sites, including the original family home of Andrew Tate and his brother, with their, their mother, who was divorced by their father, Emery Tate, famous um, international master of chess. Bruce, I've largely steered clear of like the, I don't know, like the, you know, like there's an entire circle of Twitter and like the internet and shit that uh, dwells upon like, I don't know, male, female interactions and like, you know, the, like groups that are claiming they know exactly mm -hmm. how to date and what to say to women and like back you and forth. Mentioning and back this, and forth. You mentioned this, Sefi. It's an interesting like times. group. It's you it's such a huge thing on Twitter though, man. Like it's like it's just nonstop. It's like it, you can't avoid it. It drives you back up. Are the the Tate family are they related to Little Man Tate, made famous by the movie Little Man Tate? No. What what Sefi is talking about is the whole alpha beta thing. He he hates it whenever he sees that well, on his not, timeline. Not just, not just the not just it's not that, it's like just everything. It's like there's this whole it's just a nonstop like, like discourse about uh, I don't know the 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 entire concept of like relationships or something, and people just going on and on about it. I'm like, fuck it, just why don't you just go out and go out and like, like say hi and like take someone out. Like, what's, what's wait, the, what's wait, all the dialogue are, about? <laughs> are the Tates are the Tates Indian? No, his his father's a, no, they're an American. American. Yeah. His father's like an African American. And then his mother was, I think, English. So is their home near like a good Indian restaurant or? Their original I'm, family I'm home was in Luton. Yeah, like the Tate vibe. Like, what is all that? That's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a macho man. Like, you got to be a man and you got to do this and that. And like, what's his vibe? Like, what does he do? It's just like um, kids with no father wanting some kind of strong directed male model of some form. Attracted. I thought him. you said Tate had a father, though. I'm talking about his subscribers or his watches. Yeah, like what's the what's uh, the point? Like, yeah, what, so why is he sort of like this? Uh, is he like kind of like this male role model character or something? I'm yeah, not, everybody I'm, I'm who grows up, it. everybody who grows up without a father, had a distant father, or a father who committed suicide or something like, they need to latch on to a male role model. And for some, that might be like a teacher or somebody at the the boys' club, or it might be, in my case, Optimus Prime. But like for he, today's yeah. generation, is Andrew Tate because he has a, a a house full of cam girls that he makes millions and millions of dollars off of who scam people out of their money by making false promises, and then he so calls himself like, a mastermind. He's, like a, he's got like what, like an OnlyFans harem? Basically, yeah, no. in, like, in like a foreign country. I think he he ran a 
yeah i mean he's got kind of some different stories he's a, he's a role model for the chronically online mm, interesting okay yeah. well he's, he's, he's like he's, he's he like sells, coach he sells the dream he sells the dream you can do it all too the main so way his, his money stick is, is where on he's on youtube or like tiktok or something or what rumble i believe he was a like a like a fighter like an mma fighter for a time too no just kickboxing but he's been yeah, um, arrested now for like the last couple months so yeah I saw actually that. that's that's an interesting topic that you bring up did you guys see recently that they had their bail denied for the third time in a row and there's been no uh i guess you know hard evidence against them they're arrested in uh, Romanian jail currently. Kind of interesting, in my opinion, because he went to Romania to gain the freedoms that he wouldn't otherwise have. <laughs> right. And then, or to, he, and to then take advantage of like the corruptness that you know you can be anyone with a little bit of money and take advantage of the system. Wow, it's like it's like you want the freedoms where you also lose a lot of the protections. It's right. Kind of funny. And like his whole thing was like they can't get me because I've got so many passports and I'm like just this. Well, they can, and when they do get you, you have way less protections there than anywhere else. You think he was, but like there's this like Twitter conspiracy that he's been targeted because he's a real man or some bullshit like that. Like, no, what do you think it, the reason why they locked him up? The Matrix, well, the Matrix locked him up. It's um, everything. Locked every, him I don't up. know about the actual. Probably. Um, in many ways they're they're wrong and like the more famous you get the more people start making up stories about you or whatever and certainly in a i go i would guess in a justice system like romania it's going to be some dubious level of evidence like it won't be very well verified it would be like two women speaking or something um but yeah i don't know who knows like or, or like two, two gypsies cursing you yeah, like these these two women claim that you you did so and so. Wow, that's and then a lot of it is dubious as well. Like, what if a girl agrees to be a cam girl and agrees to the payment and stuff? Where, where, where do you draw the line of force? You know, that's I a, found uh, his uh, his father's uh, chess career somewhat interesting. I don't know a lot about it, but. Uh... From what I was reading, he like specialized in beating uh, grandmasters. I believe he took almost a hundred in tournament play. Tournament play officially. Uh, so I found that really interesting. He was sort of like a Bobby Fischer sort of type character, very eccentric. Uh, played a very aggressive sort of interesting type of chess. I believe he died of a heart attack or something in the middle of a chess tournament. Are you a chess player yourself? Uh, I'm not. I mean, I know how to play, but I haven't played since uh, my childhood, probably. Yeah, he was. Um, I've I've looked at a few of his games. He wasn't a grandmaster; he was only an international master, meaning he got um, two thousand four hundred and three norms at that level. As in, usually in chess, you need to get three tournament performances, uh, three official fee day tournament performances at a certain level. Um, so he would have got uh, two thousand four hundred or above. And but he, I don't think he ever got to grandmaster. He's one below. Um, I looked at his games. He wasn't that. 
like there seems to be this rumor that he's he was particularly aggressive or unorthodox or something. I haven't really seen that he was that much in that direction. Um, seems to be more of a myth. He's got some creative game, games though, for sure. The the whole uh, thing that Andrew Tate kind of proliferated around him was that he was like CIA, some kind of deep military agent or spy um, working in different territories. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what the, the truth was. Yeah, if you've looked at his games and that's your analysis, uh, you you probably do play chess. So I, that w- that would probably yeah. make sense to me. And I think the reason probably people probably think that is because it seemed like people uh, romanticized romanticized his behavior off of the chessboard. So maybe he was a bit uh aggressive and over the top at the tournaments, like through his behavior, and people just like uh pasted that onto his play when perhaps it wasn't warranted. I don't know. Too you, much, can, like I said. you can feel his unbridled anger at the way he moved his pawn two spaces instead of one space. It wasn't so much the move itself, but just like the flick of his wrist spoke volumes as he pushed the pawn that second space. Then you knew we were in for it. Are we talking about yeah. chess still or something? I'll have a good look over his games, though. But um, he wasn't a fantastic player, though, by any means. It wasn't so much what he did, but how he did it. <laughs> I'm trying to look for his games. Uh, one th- while you're doing that, I just want to make a quick comment on the whole Tate thing. Uh, I never really give opinions on this thing. I think uh, a lot of people's opinions probably hold some uh, weight of truth. But one thing I always did find interesting is how people uh, just like immediately called him uh, like obvious idiot retard, if you will, not to use too crass a language. But if you've listened to any of his interviews, like uh, that long form, not just clips, he's clearly not an idiot retard in my personal opinion. And if the stories are to be believed about his youth um, and playing chess as well, I believe he did do some, uh, have some pretty impressive wins as a youth um, in the under 16 state tournaments. Uh, if that's a true story, it seems to be true, but I, I just uh, could never really grasp why people I think would have like a more measured opinion just were automatically uh, on that side of the Tate thing. I think they just did a really fantastic job of uh, really uh, controlling the narrative over this guy, whether you want to think he's some sort of like huckster or not. Uh, he's clearly not an idiot, in my opinion. That's just my take. People do that anyway, though. Like if, if anyone is um, controversial or even strong in any opinion, they they call them idiots. I'm called an idiot all the time. It's quite interesting. It's quite inter- like if, if you run a big page or something, it's quite interesting to see the spectrum of responses. Like there are people out there who think I'm a total idiot, and there are people out there who think I'm really intelligent. It's it's quite interesting how like perception forms based on emotion. Yeah, I saw your tiny little monologue in Random GC. I don't even know if we're in it together anymore about uh you're interested in the entrainment goggles. Uh, so I know you're no idiot and you've trolled me a couple of times very effectively. So I think you might be the smartest man I know. Uh, Bruce, good job. I appreciate you. I really do look up to you, Bruce. Thank you for following me back. Thank you for being a, a loyal mentee. Uh, Safi, I am going to have to. Uh, I didn't mean to do this publicly, but I'm no longer under your tutelage. I'm going to have to bow out at this point. I apologize, Safi. 
Yeah, that's cool. You have to find, you have to keep moving on, right? To grow. Yeah, yeah. You were great. Grow, Thank man. you. I, I learned a lot. One thing I'm just looking at, um, Emery Tate's games. One thing I would say that does stand out a bit is he definitely has a sense of consciously pursuing beauty as opposed to performance, which is something I do as well. So it's quite cool. As in, like, there are a lot of positions whereby you have, say, three different options, and one of them may win probabilistically most of the time and be the most sound and even be evaluated by a computer as the best move objectively, as in the, the, the balance of factors that go into a computer evaluation. But there's often a path, a more unusual path, that has the most potential for beauty or poetry. And he's, he's taking those paths quite a lot, which is cool. Like you put your, your pieces, like they make like, um, like flower petals on the board. It's, it's a weird thing. Cause I don't know if you can describe or experience beauty in chess very deeply, unless you're super proficient. Um, it's kind of like being very fluent at a language in order to appreciate some kind of really good poet. And the rest of people are like, they either have a crude level of appreciation or they just are trusting other people's evaluation or something, but they don't really get it. Like there's the way I, the way I imagine it, Bruce, is that there are certain moves you can take that open up more possibilities instead of just getting you closer to the win. And then by taking you out of the sort of rote rehearsed games of chess, it opens up for more like actual play yeah yeah what uh, how i play at least when i used to play more is um you take people oops you take people out of the beaten track very quickly and you take them into novelty um but then just it, it's not just about pure novelty and pure openness of possibilities it's also just like the the choice to adopt certain structures and things is is very beautiful um the also things like accepting some kind of um thing that might be conventionally seen as bad can be beautiful as in adopting a restricted position such that your opponent overextends you bait them to overextend like there's this interesting kind of balance point from from a pure visual perspective or a spatial perspective of chess it's like if you overextend you widen the the space between your pieces too much, the whole thing can collapse. And if you contract too much, then that's also, that also can be bad because your opponent will take up more space and they'll have more ways to combine their pieces, more ways to attack, more ways to whatever, more control of the board. Um, and there's often this dance where you you bait overextension. Um, you, you almost tease them into overextending by doing things that aren't necessarily logical on a computer evaluation way. Um, but psychologically you can break them with, and there's, I don't know, there's a lot of beauty in a lot of ways. I think the whole thing is beautiful. Like the whole reason I, I pursued chess in the first place is, is because I thought it was beautiful and like a, a playground for experimentation. I think I've given this analogy before, like my way of thinking about chess was like, imagine if you were on a desert Island and you had a friend or many friends or whatever, and you knew the rules to chess. And you just had to entertain yourself 
for the duration of your time on the island? How would you do it? How would you play? What would you figure out? What would your um, little theories be of the optimal way to play? Um, I would probably make a little. Like I'd make a little raft out of the chessboard, and I'd let the little chess pieces be like sailors. And we'd go on adventures in the ocean. Grin. Yeah, you're trapped on an island. You definitely want, don't want to lose the pieces in the ocean, Grin. Sometimes you you devolve into like a ten year old Grin. It's quite funny. <laughs> Other times you're like you're like um, I don't know. It's interesting. Sometimes your humor is like it's quite funny. Like a, a very wide oscillation of ages that are emanating from you. Sometimes Grin. Well. I really hate chess, <laughs> so that 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 kind of directs my decision of what to do with the chess board he's, and chess. He's pieces. trying to derail the conversation because he doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about. Chess is just so black and white, you know. Well, Bruce, I have a question. You probably know. So, how many moves in uh, would you typically have to get before anything can uh, quote unquote beautiful even begin to? be possible and i want to i want to test my intuition here just briefly if you indulge me i think it's going to be not either nine or eleven moves somewhere in that range um it could be way off i may be correct but uh, hopefully that question makes sense because i understand everyone knows all the uh, setups obviously to a certain extent how many moves in do you have to get before it can even get interesting like a novel move could be made um well, the the thing you need to realize is that the majority of players out there, as in 95% plus, the way they learn is by reading conventional books on chess written by grandmasters and by following courses online now and video courses and things. And every single one of them teaches the conventional way to play, which is like control the center, develop your pieces towards the center, have maximum control over the center, and also these are the known moves and these are the moves that are most positively evaluated by both grandmaster experience and also computer evaluation. So everyone does this stuff. And, and if you look at the statistics on say one of, one of the popular chess sites, you'll find that um, moves like E4, D4, C4 dominate like 90, 98% of it. Um, it's, it's very rare that people play off beaten track moves, even though they are fairly legitimate, like, Moves like um, B4 and F4, they're pretty much sound on a computer evaluation level, but they're not trendy at all. I think they, they both occupy like less than 2% of the total moves. So you can begin to differentiate there. Um, like if you were to play B4 or F4, chances are your opponent is completely unprepared for that. They would answer like with a um, central move like D, D5 or whatever. Um, and even then, you're, you're getting into unknown territory pretty quickly. Um, there are ways in which you can you can use the first three four moves or so to get into like a less than one in a thousand situation. That's not necessarily beautiful, but it is unorthodox, and it does mean that your opponent has to think on his feet, and that's what you want. Like that's the way I play. I I, I play the the human and based on probability. I believe like most people who play chess have a rating, and that rating isn't an evaluation of their universal skill. It's an evaluation of how good they are at playing the games they typically play. And the games they typically play are against people who prepared for those specific situations. So if you if you can steer the game out of that in the first um, four moves or so, you can enter a position of novelty and and 
benefit greatly because the person will have no preparation for it. And that means that they'll both make worse moves, but they'll also spend much more time deliberating. Like I like fast chess because um, typically tournament formats, uh, you pay maybe 90 minutes plus whatever that is added at a certain move. Um, games typically spend about three hours each side or something, you know, in long tournament formats. I prefer things like five minute or even one minute chess because you're not just playing on the basis of analysis or something like that. You're you're making conscious moves to 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 force your opponent to make trade-offs in how long they think and the quality of their moves and the knowledge they have of certain positions. So therefore, like the way I play forces my opponent to burn the clock and they start to get time pressure very, very quickly. And that's kind of interesting. Like I like all these dynamics and psychological factors and things. It's um, there are ways to play that make it very inventive and very beautiful, um, not just on position alone, but on the psychological balance. I think what Honey was asking was was kind of like how many moves in do you start recognizing like something interesting happening, right? Like, because well, I'm saying I'm saying from the start, but it's it's like a dance as well. It depends on your dance partner. Um. There's an interesting thing where you feel like your opponent is also optimizing for beauty. And I love that when it happens. Um, there's also a thing where it's like your opponent doesn't do that. And then you yourself optimize for humiliating them <laughs> or like tilting the fuck out of them. And that can be beautiful too. What's the most annoying first move that you could make? Um, well, one of the interesting things about chess on popular sites is if you resign on the first move, there's no uh, there's no result. There's no elo change. It simply cancels the game. Um, in my experience, if you do like one g five, you get a lot of resigns as black. Like g g g sorry one g four is the grub opening. It's the it's meant to be the most kind of ridiculous or ludicrous opening you could play. Um, and in my experience, playing that you get a lot of resigns on the first move by the opponent because they can't be bothered to play it. <laughs> they, and they see it as a form of disrespect or like almost like immoral immorality or something like, you know, I've come to play serious chess and this guy is, is playing this silly move. Who does he think he is? This is idiotic. You get a lot of that. And you also get people it, abusing because, you in the chat. Is it because it's not possible to win with that move? Like, you know, for sure you're going to lose or is it because um, some other, no, you can, no, it's like, the computer evaluates it as about minus 0.4. And in computer evaluation terms, one is worth a pawn. So it evaluates it as like 40% of a pawn loss at that particular position, right? That means that if both sides play perfectly for the rest of the game, that might actualize itself in some way as some kind of advantage long-term that is worth that. Um, you, you, in computer evaluation, you think in terms of pawns, but it can really mean anything, as in uh, a greater structure or a better amount of space or more attacking possibilities or whatever. It's a slight positive. But to, to for that evaluation to be worth anything or mean anything, both players would need to play like computers. And if you're playing an unusual first move anyway, then your opponent has a much lower chance of, of playing optimally um, because they're out of their book, they're out of their experience, right? They they might play optimally in conventional openings, but they won't play optimally when you play something unusual, because it represents like less than one percent of their possible knowledge base or their past learning. 
So the very first move you do that and then people are just like losing their crap. Yeah, you you get there's there's almost this weird morality or um emotional identification by people which is really funny as well. And like from a meditative or spiritual perspective the self one of the, the funny things about like the self is the self or the emotional investment of identity can can identify with absolutely anything. It can even identify with chess knowledge and openings, which is really fascinating. Um, therefore, like when you play G4, the grub opening, you get a lot of resignation. And that's because the person wants to come to the site to play proper chess in a serious game in the way they want to. And anything else is disrespectful. Like there's a whole morality of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That would frustrate frustrate me to no end, quite frankly. It's 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 really funny, and you get it later in the game as well. Like, um, I I think my my specialization in chess, and I got to like a quite a high level, um, where I'm like at, at my level, I'm beating grandmasters like at least fifty percent of the time on on speed chess. I wouldn't beat them that much in in slow chess. Um, but on, on like one minute to five minute games, I'm beating them a lot. And one of the reasons is because I just go out a book so quickly. And and their knowledge base has really, really compacted around the the conventional stuff, E4, D4, C4, um, typical things. And you've like my theory was like there's a way to play in which their their apparent rating um reduces at least two hundred points based on the lack of understanding of certain openings, which is quite cool. Um, and then you, but it, yeah, it like, reminds me, Bruce, it reminds me, Bruce, of, of, uh, of what I did when I entered into the field of remote viewing, because there were people who had spent like 30, 20 years under the, the like psychic development programs run by the government, millions of dollars of finance and people who had studied for like seven years and something like that. So I picked an element of remote viewing that they all said was hard or impossible. And then I was doing better than what, mm. like what they were doing because they kind of like all their, they were all trained up like a certain way. And so I, I, I thought it would be more fun to try to, to beat them where I could um, in a way that a type of thing that a lot of people don't see as serious or even possible to get good at. So I kind of understand that, but eventually I sort of caved under the pressure of my own success and I'm trying to figure my way out of that. I think it's very rare that in any field, somebody goes from true first principles and really thinks about it. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing how people learn chess. They really do ingest these kind of um, formal principles or rules, as in controlling the center is best. This move is the most positive evaluation. And pretty much all of it is based on the highest level of grandmaster play, right? So let's say, I don't know if you know about chess ratings and stuff, but like um, an elite grandmaster, as in the top 50 or so in the world, would be about 2,700 rating. And that goes up to, I think the peak rating was 2882 for Magnus Carlsen, right? Like in that range. Um, and a lot of the chess beginners are playing the kind of openings they play, right? And those openings are only really relevant when somebody can play effectively at machine level, as in they have memorized machine level preparation from from their past work, and they are that almost that good analytically to do it, right? In that case, you need to play a very optimal game because the person is capable of punishing it if you don't. But if you're a beginner 
if you're half of that rating, right, <laughs> it doesn't apply at all. It's simply a rule you've imposed upon your own mind um, that you feel is somehow optimal or noble or whatever, or the righteous and proper way to play chess. But in reality, if somebody goes out of book, out of your prepared lines, you have a very low ability to fend for yourself in a position of novelty. And that's kind of interesting. It's like, it's like this weird um, flow diagram where the beginner is ingesting what makes sense for a grandmaster and what makes sense for a computer, but their own position is incredibly different and, and their opponent's position is incredibly different. And like, you can play to a very unusual and probabilistic degree to a very high level. Like online, I'm rated like 2600, which I don't know what it would be in real life, but you can play at that level in a very unusual way and, and do very well. Um, and the reason is because of the, the conventional learning methods of everyone else. You're the one who plays out a book. You're the one who goes from first principles. And that's so rare that you win. It's so sad that people like have a whole chessboard and they're narrowing themselves into just like a little subset of what you can actually do or should do on the board. It, it's just so lifeless. Well, I think it's, it applies to everything. Every, every domain I've ever encountered, there's this thing. Um, it's very rare you find somebody doing something unusual or uh, truly thinking from first principles themselves or um, optimizing for play or beauty or something like that. The, it's like the majority. And I think there's a, there's a kind of a personality effect of who is attracted to chess as well. Like it's even rarer there, but it's rare everywhere. Even, even things like creativity and imagination are incredibly rare. Well, that's essentially, as I understand it, why uh, Mr. Fisher was so upset with the state of the game, because once computers and all the analysis was introduced and everybody, as we've been talking about, knew all of these basic openings and played the same way, there was a lot less room for that creative spark in the games, which makes a lot of sense to me. I could, if you're a creative person and you were simply forced to like play in this, um, like someone said earlier, just wrote memorization, very boring to you, the beauty seems to be gone. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was um that was Fisher's complaint and there was also some evidence um when he was playing um Sparsky and other people later on that the Russians had developed like a lot of computer stuff earlier than anyone else. <laughs> so they were like feeding in preparation and stuff and like accusations of transmission and all kinds of things, which is interesting. Fisher is seen as like the the father of Fisher chess, which is the same thing as chess 960, um, which is the random rearrangement of pieces behind the pawns uh, that are mirrored from black to white. And 960 takes its name because there are 960 possible ways to combine them in a unique way. Um, that That's popular now online as well. But even, I, I think chess overall is probably kind of um, dying quickly <laughs> because because of AI as well. It's going to be so easy to cheat. Like it's it's just almost impossible to catch at a certain level, especially in real life. Well, you know, like if you if you played football, American football, and then suddenly built a robot, somebody put robots up against you, and the robots were beating you across the field. Like, would you make it your life's mission that you need to beat the robots? I don't know. Like, because it's like clearly outside of what the human capacity is and and it kind of takes all the fun away of just playing against other humans i missed that a little bit grin sorry i changed my connection 
I was like, if, if you played football, like American football, and then suddenly someone created like football playing robots that were stronger, faster, better, more accurate than any human, does that immediately have to destroy the game of football? Is there some reason why, because chess is seen as like an intellectual game, that people need to prove themselves against machines and act like machines? Pretty much. Pretty much. Why can't they just? Pretty much. Because if you look at um, video games, for example, or look at like, uh, or even just movies, uh, like sci-fi type things, right? Notice how all the robots and everything like fucking miss, (laughs) which is hilarious. Like, like in real life, the robot's not going to fucking miss. You just get shot and you're dead. But in the games and in the movies, it's like there's like this room where you can have this gunfight or you can have some interaction and you don't lose. So the fantasy is always like um, most sci-fi is like kind of fantasy in the sense that like human beings are portrayed as being able to win because the game is winnable. Um, So, yeah, there's there's a sort of like sense that a game is not fun if it's not winnable at all. Maybe. But it's yeah. still be winnable against other other humans. Like it's still interesting what humans can achieve. People just don't want to play if there's cheating. Just it's complete death to a game. They want to have a hierarchy of competency that is is divested of all cheating. So you just you 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 spread their cheeks before in the match and make sure there's no vibrator, and then you play. What's the problem? It's it's a weird thing to deal with. Um, it's it's going to be very very hard with time to to monitor this stuff in all kinds of games. Um, like the cheat detection in the past was quite easy because you would use things like um, move consistency over time, as in like the the quality of the moves is the person playing optimally or in the top three choices by the computer every time is there weird consistency also are there pauses where there shouldn't be as in a human playing chess finds certain positions uh particularly complex or difficult and other ones very intuitive and people who cheat with computers tend to contrast that in a strong way where like in a simple position they'll be thinking a lot because they're waiting for the computer to move or something and they'll move in quite a, a metronomic way and stuff like that and you can you can use all of these factors to identify cheating quite easily especially in fast chess and the reason one of the reasons I play fast chess is because it's a lot easier to find find uh, cheaters because the signal stands out from the noise a lot um because of the move time effect it's very hard to conceal chess cheating because the 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 incidents of cheating or waiting for a computer to make a move um, stand out much more in a smaller duration in total, right? Because the the move time is more significant. It can be less easily disguised as natural thought. Um, but like it's it's going to be crazy with time because AI and whatever will be able to imitate anyone like a real human. It just becomes impossible to deal with. And it used to be that you could see that there was like a curly telephone cord attached to their shoe. And if you took their shoe off, it made a sound like an old modem, like, <gasps> but it's getting harder and harder to do that because we have wireless internet. Well, one thing I did find interesting on the whole like Hans uh, Neiman episode, which uh, as far as I can tell, it seems to have fallen out of the news ever since they threatened to sue chess.com or whatever. I, I, at least I haven't heard much from them. But um, some of the online cheating stuff was 
very funny and very interesting the way they got caught but uh the way they're like judging uh whether someone's cheating or not on a mac more macro level these models they're using on what is the best move and what is not the best move is i understand that there's like competing models because at a certain point it just gets so complicated you, you don't know exactly what to take into account what is more plus ev or negative ev in that position so they haven't even perfected the model for chess as i understand it and just in no. a closing thought uh it's interesting uh the models are they have competing models on that yet we have models for the universe that are asserted outright to be like perfect <laughs> but we can even, yeah uh, perfect chess <laughs> yeah like e even in chess the the um the accusations or the cancellation of certain players regardless if they've cheated or not is very dubious it's always down to probability if a player um has a thousand games online and you suspect they're cheating in 50 of them the evidence of that is always probabilistic it's always deemed to be like is the consistency of these games correlated with a, a computer chess engine like stockfish more than we would otherwise predict um but it's like it's always probability one of the interesting things about sites like chess.com is they have this weird arm bending policy whereby they will say they will suspend the person from being able to play like say there's a a grandmaster who is cheating or suspected to cheat or something they will suspend their account like a temporary ban and they will email them and then they will say if you admit you were cheating we'll let you play again <laughs> so right uh, they have this deal with a lot of people and then grandmasters do it because it, it is a primary income for them right and it's their platform to to stream on or whatever and to do lessons and stuff so they'll admit to this in order to continue their online career um but the the interesting thing is like chess.com only has probability that's all they have um and also this can be very dubious and and you also have this effect which is like it's almost like the flat earth effect if you decide somebody is cheating or if you decide the earth is flat or a sphere or whatever you decide you start compiling evidence for that and people do the same thing with statistical modeling of cheating um and also people do the same thing with with blockchain sleuthing sepi if you have a belief about anything then you can certainly find some evidence on the blockchain look at this transaction look at that look at this you're going to find infinite stuff right it's like this weird um reality warp field I think the blockchain is a more powerful flat earth than the, the flat earth. It's like, because <laughs> you can find unlimited evidence to justify anything. And the interesting thing is like, when the evidence is presented with some level of outrage, 99.9% .9 of people aren't going to go verify it. And even if they do try and verify it, they're not qualified to verify it. Um, so you have this effect everywhere. It's the same thing in chess. Like somebody presents some statistical model, model and says like, this person is cheating. Are they really? Does the person, the reader, actually know how to evaluate the meaning of these things or compare them with other models or really um, dig into the potential factors that make this biased? No, <laughs> like they don't at all. Yeah, almost almost nobody um, like understands probability really well. So the idea that like something presented as a probability problem is going to be like interpreted properly is just super, super low. Yeah, so they do this that's, weird. That's, they, but yeah. that's also the reason why I was like, um, you know, and they're like, oh, Do Kwan should go and uh, face justice in South Korea for whatever the fuck else, you know, related to um, like the, the, the crash and this and that. I'm like, no, you, you definitely don't want to do that. You want to fucking run. Because th there are certain things that like 
there's just no way to present them to a group of average humans and like get a, get a, mm -hmm. like get the message across right like and these are these are these are super smart asians though i mean super smart asians probably everybody on the jury panel probably has at least one blockchain and, and has been in like 20 starcraft tournaments maybe but You're like, being racist. <laughs> like <laughs> even even with super smart asians uh or whatever the hell like can, can we just pull out the racism here sefi yeah the odds of getting like a fair trial of some kind regarding um yeah of some sort of probability based sort of evidence or whatever is extremely low it's awful um like it's in fact i would call it horrifying like when you have to deal with the evaluation of average minds and all of their biases and you have to face that and try and convince them or something it's horrifying it's literally yeah, like, horrifying. The reality is, is that like something like ninety nine percent of the human race thinks they're pretty smart, um, and the reality is, is that like uh, only a tiny fraction of even that one percent is even all that really uh, super genius to some level. So, like, this is the reason why, for example, like uh, if you're in medicine, for example, you don't really want to get into a situation where you have to go to court about something. Because the jury of the peers, or whatever you want to call it, is almost always going to rule in favor of the you know person who something bad has happened to, but won't really understand the statistical models whereby, like, say, for example, doctors work or something like that. It's just impossible to defend yourself against people who have no clue what they're talking. You know, like they don't. There's no mental context in their normal like activities that would prepare them to understand what it is that's being told in the in the courtroom. So like, so therefore, like the, what doctors usually do is the smart ones is they are going to, um, minimize the likelihood of having to go to a courtroom by using every trick in the book when it comes to like what you write down so that a lawyer doesn't ever go to that level because, you know, cause you don't really want to ever have to defend yourself in this probabilistic environment. It's, it's really, really like 90% chance of losing. Is the, is the way to look at that. Mm. Yeah, the so-called court of public opinion and the jury of your peers, it's just not going to work out well for you, even if you're, if you, even if you're right and your, your process is totally right. Yeah. When Does anything like want this to see happens... Oh, I was going to say, Grin, like when anything like this happens, and you see it in, in things like the whole lunk thing, right? Like you raise logical points and you try and make... Um, points that that will help everything and move things forward or that people need to know out of responsibility or whatever and the average capacity of people to deal with things is so low it's insane and then you're forced into this feeling that if it was a medieval time and you were the baron and they were the, the peasants who tended to the land around your your castle or your your stately home you would certainly have to slaughter many of them because otherwise they would certainly come for you Another thing too is like a lot of people like generally um like they don't um like I guess they don't meet enough people in their life to form a full mental model about uh like the rest of humanity in a sense. So um it's easy to think you're either uh smarter than your peers or uh maybe dumber than your peers or whatever it is. But your your worldly model is based upon a relatively narrow band of like total experience. I think if you haven't really 
taught people things. Like, let's say you've taught, I don't know, lots of people, thousands of things, thousands of people. I think you get a better sense of like the uptake, you know, like what kind of levels of intellect and what people remember from what you say and things like that. But I think most of the time, like we don't really get an opportunity to test this, right? Like um, we don't really test other people on a formal level very often. Is this a, is this a backdoor recommendation for the kibbutz model of life? What is the kibbutz model of life? <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. So in the in a kibbutz, which are these kind of farms, communal farmsteads in Israel, um, in the kibbutz, like people rotate jobs every so often. I forget how often it is. It might be once a year or whatever. Like in one year, you might be in charge of teaching all the children. The other year, you might be plowing a field. The other year, you might be the IT guy. And the kids are raised okay. communally. The kids are raised communally instead of uh, just being like with their own parents. So in one, in some cases, you might be like the foster mom or the foster dad. So the kibbutz style of of life, you would have experience like teaching people, and then you would also have experience like harvesting wheat. Yeah, well, I don't know how efficient that is, like in general, but um, I think they seem it, happy when I've been there. They seem happy. Yeah, I mean, and they very well could be. It's just hard for any one individual to, I guess, maybe acquire the, like, I don't know, like the knowledge base for sort of probabilistic and asymmetric warfare. Um, I think most people wind up being sort of like woefully unprepared in that context, if that's such a thing. I don't. I don't think warfare is a traditional ta task of the kibbutz, but but like young men and women do join the army for a period of time or military in Israel in general. So they do okay, get some I, sort I of warfare training. Warfare. I'm, I'm just talking about just like you know cognitive warfare in a sense. Mm, yeah, it's it's a it's a. I think it's a difficult thing to train in. There's a certain amount of aptitude required, obviously, but also just. But what Bruce is describing, as far as like these, like to how in the public square, like in Twitter or in chess or whatever, like you can come up with sort of like arbitrary like evidence and claim it to be true. And most of the people are not even sure if it's true or false. That's that's true, I think, in most domains. And it's a difficult problem to solve for. Everywhere. And 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 like it's truly everywhere. It yeah. follows a, a format as well. It's like something happens and then there's a belief around it that is convenient. AKA, like for instance, a, a huge loss of financial money and that has personally affected many people. And the convenient belief is that there is somebody to blame or somebody stole it, right? Or whatever. And then the person brings out the the, the model, whatever it is, the probability or, or something, some kind of evidence on chain, <laughs> right? They present it. Then you have like a, 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 a double effect. It's like the convenience of the existing belief Plus the fact that ninety nine point nine percent of people can't—they aren't either willing or able to discern these things anyway. Multiplied by by the blame, and then you have this weird phenomena. Um, yeah, it would be like it, it's like imagine in your daily life on a regular basis, like how many people do you know of that have been hit by lightning, for example? Um, and then you go on Twitter, and someone will say, "Oh, such and such was hit by lightning." And he visited, you know, the Church of Scientology or something. And then, like, there'll, there'll be another lightning strike. And say, oh, my God, that person must also have gone to Church of Scientology. Um, the speed with which people, like, 
connect the dots, so to speak, to create these weird associations uh, is quite remarkable. Um, just when you watch it on the internet and you watch commentary and sometimes you're like, oh, maybe they're just trolling. Maybe they're just being funny. And then you're like, no, they're just stupid as fuck. Like, like you, you can't come to any other conclusion but that. It's like, wait, what? You, you believe what about what and why? Like you, you didn't you didn't think about that for just a second and realize that maybe that's just a, you know, it's just coincidence or whatever. <laughs> like the dot connectors, I call them, are very, very funny. And it's what's an interesting one, too, is like when it's really, really fun, because, you know, the, the crazy thing is sometimes crazy shit turns out to be true. Like, um, what's it called? What's the what's the dude that um, the Clinton suicided? What's his mm. name? Um, uh, Jacob Gittigan. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the guy with the, the pedophile island or whatever. What was that guy's name? Uh, Epstein. Epstein. Yeah, yeah. So like Epstein. the Epstein thing. Like, so, um, you know, of course, you know, it turns out that like, you know, the guy's fucking pedophile and was true. Right. So like everyone that said, oh, you know, with a uh, prince I, with a royal prince, nonetheless, like that sounds yeah. outlandish. Absolutely outlandish, doesn't it? It sounds, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. And then it turns out to be a, a true and everything. And of course, then it's like, oh, see, look, like we connected the dots and the evidence all pointed to this and everything else. But you can make up a story. You can make narratives like that up out of thin air pretty easily. Um, and um, and then, you know, make it sound like it's a legit thing. It's pretty interesting. Well, that's why I sent out a link earlier today in our super, super secret private chat. I'm not mentioning. And that uh, about a, like somebody who over fun, like during COVID times, went to like a conspiracy group thing on Facebook and made up a conspiracy about how Australia isn't real, that they killed all the prisoners before they got to the, to Australia. And so when people actually take a trip to Australia, they're being diverted to like Asia or South America where there's actors pretending to be Australians and it just goes on and on. And apparently this was sounded credible enough to the group that they made the person a moderator. And then like when they became a moderator, they just started kicking everybody out of the group just for fun. But that shows <laughs> like, how how easily people like believe like the the really the stupidest like most improbable an interesting things. Story like this last week was you know there's sort of like this for some reason the Department of Energy comes out and says oh like yeah COVID appears to be have been released from a lab and whatever and um, like many many people had no problem with the idea that like the thing was possibly leaked from the lab. Um, or that it could even be a lab grown, you know, lab tended, lab grown virus or whatever. I don't think anyone like completely discounted that possibility. And, but the so, but the way because I've been following this sort of thing, obviously from a direct medical perspective, a long time. So even I was like, yeah, sure, it's possible that uh, you know some idiot at the lab, you know, walked out. Hell yeah! Virus. Hell yeah! It's possible. Because yeah, like, it's, I, it's absolutely possible. Yeah, it's gain of function crap that people do. Yeah, I've worked at a biohazard lab. And so it's like, I can see how that could happen if you have like a shitty, you know, process or whatever. So I get all that. But like, but then the narrative comes out. Uh, if you look at how a lot of Twitter posters post, it's like, oh, they said it's not possible that it's impossible that it's, it was a lie and whatever. I don't think anyone was really saying that. Like nobody really knew. No, there, there was a lot between. of, there was a lot of mockery of it, but it happened. Yeah, but a lot of that mockery happened at the same time. You had a president who was saying these yeah, things, but, but that same president was also saying things like go eat aquarium cleaner and stuff. Right. Like. So that's whatever. the problem is that it's so kind of who they came from. People, people fought against, you know, like wh who yeah. were the people most publicly saying the theory and they kind of use that to argue against the theory, like ad hominem basically. And so yeah, people there's, like, there's always a yeah. lot of signal and a lot of noise and, um, you know, mostly noise though. 
Um, and the thing is, there is a big difference between saying something and having evidence for it and listing every possible conspiracy on, on the planet that could ever happen and then saying afterwards, I told you so. Because there's enough stories on Twitter that technically some of them are going to end up being true just because of just pure, you know, like it's, it's just chance alone that it will happen eventually, right? So it's interesting how like you connect the dots backwards and, um, um, and, and wind up with these kind of um, situations where it's like, oh, everyone was lying about it. And it's like, no, like no, just nobody really knew for sure. And so therefore it's like, what are you going to, you're going to come out and say for sure it was the Chinese or whatever without knowing for absolute certain. But you can imagine it would go like this no matter what, because like what evidence would have been presented to you that everyone would have believed in, right? Like <laughs> there was an actual whistleblower. There was, I remember that Chinese lady who's like, oh yeah, like this got released from our lab, blah, blah, blah. And she was on TV and, and everything. So it wasn't like, you know, people tried to silence her or some shit. She was literally on TV and said it. So it's like, it's, but nobody knew for sure who to believe. So it's like, you know, no matter, like, because there would be good reason to blame, let's say, I don't know, that you, you might have a reason to blame a government, right? For example, like, look at Iraq and weapons of mass destruction. you like, if you had some reason why you wanted to go into Iraq for some reason, like to preserve the petrodollar, and you wanted to take pictures of things and convince everyone that this was like, you know, weapons of mass destruction. There is reasons why you would pin something on a country, too. So it could go both ways. And then there'll be a conspiracy in both directions. Like there's like no matter what happens, someone will claim that it's a psyop against something else. Right. It's interesting how it all plays out. What I like but, is when later on, when like when events happen later on, people find some work of fiction that happened, was written like 12 or 28 years ago that sort of describes a similar thing. And then they're like, ah, this is all scripted. Look, this is the playbook was right here. And they've just been following the script the whole time. I like, I like that. And I think there was something like that with like the, um, with Boris Johnson's dad wrote some thriller that had a plot that matched like elements of some real life events, like more recently. So they're like, ah, they're just following the playbook that was written so many years ago. <laughs> yeah there's all yeah. these interesting ways these play out yeah it's fun like but watching the crowd go go at it is really interesting like you know of all the possible explanations this is the one i'm going to stick to right like this is the one i believe in it fits my narrative perfectly and therefore um you know either like government bad or china bad or like i don't know pharmaceutical company bad or i don't know what like there's there's like all these boogeymen it's really fascinating whether they're really boogeymen or not. Yeah, it's always it's always aligned with it's always kind of obvious how it aligns as well. Like the need the convenience of belief or the need for control. Um typically in in health stuff it's like the need to feel like you have control over not dying and things like that or the need to blame people for other people's deaths or whatever. It's all it's all like spawning from this this kind of fear of death stuff like to a large degree. It's quite interesting. Yeah, like the the Turkish earthquake. Oh, there's there's a weapon being directed into the ground. It's like a oh, and uh, so like there is a weapon of mass destruction that causes earthquakes and it causes the Turkey to crack in half or whatever. Yeah, I mean there is actually a lot of um, evidence for for weather modification. The the CIA and others have been interested in this stuff for years and years and years, but it doesn't mean that it happened here. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah, the, the, it, it could have a loose association in the sense that like 
this is possible and that's possible, but it probably didn't happen in this case or something. Yeah, if you start to see Taiwan shaking quite a bit more over the next few years, you'll know that maybe something's going on. But um, yeah, that's true. That's true. I believe that, but but I think it all stems from like people wanting to believe that like if the deck hadn't been stopped, like stacked against them unfairly, that they wouldn't be a loser that they would have made the same decisions in life and would have come out total winners, except that like they're playing a game that's totally stacked against them. Right. So they want to feel like they aren't really losers. And so a lot of these things are about building narratives that make it look like the whole board was stacked against them their own entire life. And now they're, they're actually like the still heroes. They're like being kept down. It's like yeah. a self-confidence game. Yeah, like they can't bear the like the the truth of like that they've made bad mistakes, that they've done things that are wrong, that they could have been successful, but they're too lazy. So they would rather come up with these narratives to explain how the entire deck was stacked against them the entire time. And some of which can be true. Like we can see right now, the United States, it, like there's a big divide between people who already have money and what they're allowed to do with their money and people who don't have money. And it's supposed to be like one of the most egalitarian societies, but we have differences in investment classes and some of which I'm not you know, legally able to participate in because the government decided I'm like too stupid, right? And, or too poor. And so but there are certain things that are stacked against you, but, but generally speaking, like, you know, somebody born in the Midwest and they don't know why they, they, they dropped out of high school, but they can't like, hold down a job and they're addicted to meth and whatever, like it's, it's because the whole world was stacked against them and the game was wrong because of a conspiracy, not because of their own decisions. Right. It's like, they are looking for an explanation that shows that they could have or would have succeeded. That's what I'm thinking right now as I eat prosciutto. I'm going to go to bed. Mm, yep. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, gang. <laughs> Good night, Yura. What is the what is the best coin in the market right now, Grin? Flex coin is the best by every metric I can invent. Jade coin. Yes. Buy buy flex coin. This is probably the best opportunity right now. Based on significant probabilistic models. Can I both euros that I see? I see both euros. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the two-part LunkDAO space, the next hot convict coin, 100x billion thousand rocket ships. Recorded on Monday, February 27th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Down the street in my six foe. I never had a six foe. A kid can wish though. I snapped a wishbone and grabbed a fistful. Chilling with the dopey, this a weed is all I wish for. I'm feeling blissful. I got a missus. My ginger always down to ride no matter what the mission. I'm singing this song. Got a couple albums out. We do alright, but it ain't really shit to write home about. Like to feed the fishbowl. Keep my stories mystical. I like my beats boom bap and rap to be lyrical. I'm feeling cynical. Craving a little ritual. Save my place in line while I try to find a miracle. I keep looking and looking and looking, but never find nothing. We've been lied to, thinking this surprise under super secret lies. Motherfucker sneak inside, going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die.
trenches Trying to stay offensive Trespassing here like this land looks expensive Ain't no time like the present Trying to stake a claim Just make sure your claim stays away from all these other claims We're almost kind of running out of land here Living in the day of the dead and it's damn weird Same teams y'all, we just trying to get a bite to eat A little rest saved up, waiting for my time to sleep Head down, middle fingers up, yo I'm wide awake Never hesitate to stay about a hundred miles away Seven time and space while the wrecking ball the place I expect you all to play, running marathons today When the sick get sicker and the rich get richer It might be about time to rearrange our dinner Fix the system, the shit, it's all nicks Waking up early, gonna suck today's Going dark now, believe me when I say the shit is do or die Going dark now, believe me when I say the shit is do or die Totally gonna take care of Angela, man. He's he's great. He's a wonderful lab partner, so it's gonna be cool. We'll keep an eye on her. Why don't you go fuck yourself, you weird little prick? I'm a teacher, okay? You can't talk to me like that, guy. I'm not a student, so I can say whatever the fuck. Terrible spaces.